This is Shudders Inc. with Bruce Williams and Glenn Lavender. Hi and welcome to episode 505 of Shutters Inc. This is Bruce Williams from ShuttersIncPodcast.com and joining me once again from Melbourne, Victoria. From CreativePhotoWorkshops.com.au, it is Mr. Glenn Lavender. How are you? You know, I'm super relaxed. Super relaxed? Fantastic. Super relaxed. Okay. Flushed all the anger out of your system from last week. You should... You should um... Ask me why. Why are you super relaxed, Glenn? Ah, because, Bruce, we live in a world of technology. (laughs) And technology, seamless as it is, everything works to perfection. (laughs) And you can always rely and count on it. And, you know, that gives you that sense of freedom and calmness that just... (laughs) It's it's unbelievable, Bruce. It's, it's, It's... Yeah, it's a... Yeah, I think we've reached nirvana. I think te- I think technology has got us to a point of perfection that humankind probably never thought they would ever attain. Right. Yet here, here we are. Yep. After spending the last 15 minutes trying to get my effing computer to work. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, uh, technology. God, I hate technology. I hate technology. <laughs> it's... Fun and games. So we've just tried the last 10 minutes trying to... Uh, I could, Bruce could hear me. I couldn't hear him. Often it's the other way around. Yeah. And um, usually the problem's on Bruce's end. Today it was on mine. Tried everything. Disconnected Skype. Reconnected <laughs> Skype. Unpaired my headphones. Repaired my headphones. Repaired, took off Bluetooth. Restarted Bluetooth. Went to restart the computer. And, of course, it's, it's a, I'm using a Microsoft computer tonight. So, of course, it needs, it needs updating yeah. and shutting down and, and restarting and cleaning and this and that. And, the, and then all that and still nothing had changed. So I had to <laughs> remove the pair, remove my Bluetooth device and then repair my Bluetooth device. And here we are, relaxed <laughs> and joyous in the world of technology. Honestly, if Linux could just make the audio side of things as easy as it is on windows i would flick windows in a heartbeat i only See, I, could, I, could, windows. I could never use i could never use that system what linux yeah why what do you know about it i just don't like the name <laughs> well you don't have to like the name i don't i don't, I don't like the name i don't like how it's said right because you think it should be linux I'd be happier. It sounds more computer and techy. Yeah. yeah. See, it, li, li, this, that's the penguin one, right? Yeah. Why isn't it just called penguin? You've got apples. <laughs> you've got windows. Well, the penguin they're is things, the Bruce, Bruce. But But they're things. There's a window. That's a, that's a real thing. <laughs> An apple. That's a thing. Penguin. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real thing, Bruce. People would warm to it better if it was called penguin. They probably who would. Does, who doesn't like a penguin? That's it. I mean, especially with barbecue sauce. <laughs> I mean, you want them in a, you want to put them in, a, in, a, in a, like a slow cooker for like 14 hours because it can be a bit a bit gamey, a bit, a bit tough. A bit chewy. <laughs> yeah, so 14 hours on low, you know, yep. stirring at about the eight-hour mark. Yep. Adding a little extra Worcestershire sauce just at that eight-hour mark at the same time because you've got your but you and but don't here's here's a crucial thing, Bruce. Yeah, don't lift the lid any more than that. Right, that, that one time because they lose heat like crazy. Yeah, and take forever to regain that heat again, even though it's on low. So yeah. uh, if if you want your penguin a little chewy, 
take your lid off a couple of times during the, during the course, I'm telling you. If you no. want your penguin just to kind of melt off the bones and off the wings yeah. and off the fur, because you've got you, 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 you to do the whole bird penguin. You can't just... So you do. So you need your larger You need your larger style uh, long the slow cooker. Right. Those, those little jobbies you get at your supermarkets not going to do. You want your big, your big bugger, yeah. you know, uh, for the full bird. Now... Here's your thing. So you've got to be very selective with which penguin you're going to choose because your king emperors, yeah. they're not going to fit. Right. No, doesn't matter what size cookie you got, it ain't going to fit. <laughs> and don't chop the feet off like some try and do because that's where some of the best stuff is. <laughs> uh, the beak, beak and feet, you know. Right. So it's all got to go in. So pick yeah. your smaller penguin. Your fairies are okay, but you need to put three or four in a pot because they tend to cook down a bit. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're feeding a family of four, You'd think your four penguins is going to be enough, but no, they cook down. Not quite, not like quail do. It's not, it doesn't get down quite as small as a quail, but it's not. It's not even as big as a full size chicken, Bruce. Right. Yeah, and of course, there's less meat on them than a chicken. So, if you're doing a family of four, I recommend five fairy penguins. Right. <laughs> Which of course means you could have enough sauce. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's a pleasure. Yeah. So ne- next week, next week on cooking with Glenn, aardvarks. Yeah, you, if you think if you, Bruce, if you think your crispy crispy pork crackling is tough, you wait till you get your aardvark. <laughs> oh, it's tough so before you cook it. <laughs> it's, it's tough. It's even tough. It's tough before, during, and after. You know, it's not often you have to bring garden instruments into a, into your dining room, but you know, little <laughs> one of those little saws they used to chop down tree branches, very handy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, pruning pruning saws, I think they're called pruning shears. That's it. But you want you want you want your electric ones, even though it, the problem with the electric ones, of course, as we all know, it does tend to fling food at the people on the opposite side of the table. <laughs> so if you're going to serve aardvark <laughs> with garden, you want to go, you want to go, your your Jesus Last Supper. Right, where everyone's sitting on the same side of the table, right? And all you're doing, all you're doing, is flinging, flinging food at the guy who took the photo of the Last Supper. <laughs> right. Excellent. Yeah. <sighs> I hate to break it to you, but I don't think it was a photo. <laughs> well, come on, no, they wouldn't have sat there that long to pose. <laughs> come on, you like, yeah. no wonder they all had pained expressions on their faces, especially that girl sitting on his left. Would have, would have been an iPhone version one. Do you ever see? Do you ever see? Do you ever see the the Monty Python uh, Monty Python <laughs> Last Supper? Oh, God, I don't hilarious. know if I have. What is that you, from? You, it's it's from Monty Python. Yeah, and, I was going to say uh, which movie was it from? from? No, 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 it's from the TV series. Oh, okay. And and the Pope calls in uh, Leonardo and says, uh, "What do you call this?" And he goes, "He goes what?" He goes, "This." Who are all these people? And he's got like he's got like waiters. Well, there had to be someone serving food, didn't they? You know, okay. And we get all this stuff. And why the kangaroos? Oh, I thought you know it had a little bit of little bit of life to it. He goes, look. And after he goes to all this stuff, he goes, right, I, I can, I can live with all that other stuff. He goes, can, can you tell me why on earth did you paint three Jesuses? And he says, well, the fat one in the middle bounces out the two skinny ones on the outside. <laughs> it's, a hilarious, it's a hilarious sketch. You've got to see it. Right. So with Eric, Eric Idle as Da Vinci, which is it's just gold. Excellent. Yeah. So how have you been, mate? You've been all right? You've been good? You've been okay? You've been fine? Um, yeah. Flat out at work. Working on a very exciting book at the moment, which is good. So, uh, 
Ethel the Aardvark goes quantity survival. There you go. Good old Ethel the Aardvark. Do you know do you know you know that one? Yes, I do. It's from Cheese Shop. But no, it's not no, it's not from Cheese Shop. I think you'll find it is. I think you'll find it's not. I think you'll find it is. Well, there's no record called Cheese Shop. No, the sketch. It can, no, it comes it comes from contractual obligational album. But yes, I think you'll but it's find from the skit Cheese Shop. No, it's not. It's cheeses. It is. It's because not. He, he says, I was what sitting in sense. the something or other library browsing, you know, every yeah, other no, 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 goes quantity for, surveying, for, no, and it's suddenly the game over shop. all is it, it It's from the bookshops. But here's the thing, though. It's not even from Monty Python. What? Ethel the Aardvark? The whole sketch where he goes in and he, and he wants to buy Ethel the Aardvark and uh, Nicholas, Nicholas Nickleby uh, and uh, Ch- by Charles Wickens. Uh, and it's a, it's a whole sketch in a bookshop on Monty Python's contractual obligation on album. Uh, but it comes from the Not the 1948 show, which was John okay. Cleese, John Cleese and Marty Feldman. Um, okay. I'm Gosh. pretty sure it's from the start of Cheese Shop. But anyway. Oh, okay. Here's it. <laughs> the, folks, we're going we're to Google this live. This is, this is a live... <laughs> Live, live cheese shop sketch. We well, don't want the live version. You want the album version. Did I say live? Hey, eh? I just said. Che- oh, I said it was cheese shop sketch Monty Python <laughs> scripts. Uh, here we go. Cheese shop casinos. What? Cheese shop casinos. Monte Casino. There we go. Transcribed. Here we go. That's what we're looking for. Right here. From Michigan Institute of Technology. Good morning, sir. Welcome to the National Cheese Emporium. Ah, thank you, my good man. What can I do for you? Well, I was sitting in the public library uh, okay. uh, on, Th- on Thurman Street, now skimming through Rogue, Rogue Harry's, Harry's by Hugh, by Walpole. Hugh Walpole. Now, suddenly came oh, over all peckish. Peckish, peckish sir. Assyrians. Eh? eh? Ah, hungry. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah. So, come on. uh, I want to hear those magic little words that one just loves to hear. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) No, no, no. Not not those ones. The far better ones than that. Oh, you were right. (laughs) There we go. Winner, winner, chicken penguin dinner. (laughs) Uh, Okay, fair enough. So so, So, what was the skit then? The skit was called the bookshop sketch, and he goes in and he wants he wants uh, Olson's standard book of the, book yeah. of British birds, the one without the gannets. It's a standard British bird. And he goes, well, I don't like them. They wet their nests, right? No better. <laughs> well, so, oh, I don't like the nut hats, right? No hats. Right, there's your book. There, buy it. I can't buy that. It's torn. <laughs> That's right. But it actually comes. It actually came from well before Python. So right, as okay. as did as did the four Yorkshiremen sketch, right? Which was Marty Feldman as well, and uh, uh, and Tim Brooke Taylor from the Goodies, from the Goodies, and yeah. Yeah, and John Cleese, and that so from from uh, yeah from way well before the uh, the Pythons. But they just yeah. they just per- they purloined it, Bruce. They purloined it. Yes. They got per- so what's, can you tell us what the book is that's got you so uh, so assumed? I, I, I can't, uh, oh, but I knew what, you were what say is that. intriguing about this particular book is the way in which it has been written, uh, where every, uh, n- not, not quite alternate chapters, but 
let's let's just say alternate chapters for the ease of the conversation. Uh, one one chapter will be a, a typical narrative chapter that will be read by one person, but the alternate chapters sound like a podcast. They are written like a podcast in the book. So it sounds like us. It sounds much better than us. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, Coherence. Uh, and the great thing is we're, we're actually getting to produce it like a podcast. So oh, really? It's, so- yeah, so it's it's a really interesting idea. You might learn some tips. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, get get this on, on, on par with that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I bet you anything that theirs is scripted. Yes. Yeah, so we just make it up on the <laughs> and spot. And researched. <laughs> oh. So you could do it. You could like do it before that. You could. You, we we could put into place some of those steps and see just how our audience grows. Yeah. <laughs> Who, who's going to do the we're, research, we're, you or me? <laughs> well, I think we all know who that's going to be. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're dangerously close to double figure listeners already. Yeah. So yeah, we could we could take this up to yeah, the twenties. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway. so, so can you tell us what roughly the subject matter is it like is it a fiction book or is it like it is a, a work of uh, fiction yeah oh okay then. once it's released i'll be happy to tell you all about it because we are like both brad and i are really excited about this project uh i'm getting to do the lion's share of the work which is great and just really loving the fact that you know, unlike most of the other audiobooks that we do, with this, there's the opportunity to be a little bit creative with it, where, you know, when it's just one person reading a book, all you're doing is recording it and then you, you know, de-breath it and master it and that's pretty much it. So there's no creative aspect to the production of a normal audiobook where this, we're actually getting to do some sound design, put some sound effects in, bit of treatment. Yeah, it's it's good. Having fun, having fun with it. What what, what genre? Can, can you at least give us a genre? Uh, crime fiction. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I could listen to that. Send me a copy. Mm. I'll, I'll, review, I'll review it for the yeah. podcast. <laughs> Excellent. What, what what voice do you play? I don't play any voices. What do you mean? Don't I'm, you read the? I'm not. Don't a... you? I thought I thought you did audio books. I do. I I engineer the recording. I don't speak. Since when? When did you stop doing that? I never was doing that. Before you used to do the jingles and sing those songs for the radio, I heard you. <laughs> no, you didn't. Tint a car, tint a car, come over and tint my car. I heard you, Bruce. <laughs> yeah, that was not me. <laughs> <laughs> that's me going, everyone, oh, I'll be going down the street and they'll be playing. That's my mate Bruce doing that. <laughs> I've been lying to people for years. <laughs> Good on you. <laughs> Oh, so this has you know, changed my entire viewpoint of the world. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, you've had a, so you've had a good week at work is what you're telling us. Yeah, it's it's been busy, but it's been a lot of fun. So, nice. Yeah. How much more have you got to go? How long, how long does it take to wrap? What's a... We should finish recording the book tomorrow if everything goes well or early next week uh, otherwise, and then there's probably two weeks of editing. So if you're a voice actor... Hmm. Wouldn't it do you good to kind of stuff a few things up so it delays you get more pay? No. Is it good? No? Because that's not how the pay works. Really? It's yep. not per word? No. Oh. The fee structure for the narrators is a certain dollar amount per finished hour. 
Oh, that's not good, is it? So if you are someone who makes a lot of mistakes, you are decimating your hourly rate. Oh. So you, so you, you know beforehand that the book's going to be roughly nine hours of recording, finished recording. Yeah, so. it, for example, yeah, you might say, okay, this is going to be an eight-hour book, and, you know, based on the finished hourly rate, I can multiply that by eight and have a rough idea of what I'm going to earn for doing the book, you know, uh-huh. if, if you're the narrator. Yes, but if you're, you know, if you're, so if you're really efficient and you don't make a lot of mistakes, then you're essentially increasing your, your pay per hour. Yeah. But it's all based on the, the finished runtime of the book. Huh. Yeah. How many people, how many people are doing this? Because you wouldn't want to hear the same person, the same books all the time. Uh, that depends. I mean, there are some exceptionally good narrators around. There's a guy here in Sydney who is a POM. Uh, he's been out here for a few years now, and he is in very high demand for audiobooks because he can do pretty much any accent you throw at him, really? and he does an absolutely brilliant job of every book I've ever heard him read. Wow. So, so you know, somebody like that is always getting work, and... As someone who even listens to audiobooks in my own spare time, I will happily listen to any book he's read. Does he get paid more than, say, the lesser voices? He does because he knows how good he is. So uh. he does demand a higher rate and he gets it because he's that good. Nice. Uh, yeah. So Well, sign, sign me up then, Bruce. I'll, I'll do some. <laughs> Because I mean, this technology's flawless, so we should be able to do it over. Over, you know, I shouldn't even have to get out of bed. That's right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it was a cold, dark night in the middle of the night, and it was dark, dark. I tells you, dark. And then the moon came up, and it was no longer so dark. It was lighter than it was when it was really dark. Now it was semi-dark. Ah. <laughs> See? I have no idea why you have not been discovered yet, mate. You're preaching to the converted here, mate. I'm telling you. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, anyway. <sighs> we should talk photography. Not necessarily. You should ask me what I've done this week. <laughs> oh, what have you done this week? Not much. <laughs> no, I've had a did busy, you, I've did had you a busy, narrate I've... any audio books? Well, just, I did just then. Excellent. <laughs> what were you going to say? I was going to say, oh, I've had a busy week, yeah. uh, but not... Do you have any photos? No, I, I released I released my video on YouTube of my first review and shots of the 11 to 20 Tamron lens. Excellent. It's up there. And oh, it's, it's got, I'll tell you, I, think, I, I reckon I've got, if I can't do audiobooks because of, you know, technology, because yeah. <laughs> uh, te- that's, that's the only downside of the technology, um, I could, I could be a YouTube star instead. Fantastic, because yeah, my video has gone semi-viral. Nice. It's, it's got it's got it's got like a raspy throat to them. It's got like a you know you know when you when you wake up and you you start if you like get a bit of a cold you got just like a little burning in the back of your throat. Yeah, that's what this has gone. Right, it hasn't gone viral yet. It's gone kind of scratchy, itchy, burny bit of throat. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm up to I'm up to like seven hundred views, Bruce. Nice, seven hundred. Nice in, in in one week. That's like three hundred a day. <laughs> that's great so, so I put that out oh I did a I did a portrait of my my daughter for her 10th birthday lovely 
I'm doing a bit. I, 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 my my eldest daughter did a, a night vigil, uh, standing at the um, uh, the local memorial for uh, the, Anzacs. the Anzacs. Yep. Yeah. So she did. She was up at three o'clock in the morning doing a nighttime vigil. See, here's the thing you don't know: scouts guard the memorials uh, on on the night of Anzac night, uh, Anzac Eve. Why would the scouts do it? Well, here's the thing. That's how I learned. This is the first time my daughter's done it, so I learned a bit of stuff. Back in the 1930s hmm. in Western Australia, on the eve of Anzac Day, people would go around and damage and deface war memorials. Really? In Western Australia in the 1930s. So uh, people had a bit of a, uh, a loss as to what, to do so the western australian scouting movement volunteered that their scouts would stand vigil all night long to protect them wow and they've been doing it for the next 90 what 90 years wow i did not know that me well, i knew i knew they stood vigil because I, I know the scouts have been doing it for since i've been involved in the movement for the last few years with my eldest daughter yeah but this, this is the first time she's actually done one and uh so that was that was pretty pretty amazing so they have three or four scouts to stand in front of a memorial, just heads bowed and respectful. And uh, so, for those who don't know, Anzac Australian New Zealand Army Corps, it's our, um, our day of celebrating our diggers and their um, their sacrifice, and across multiple conflicts. Yeah, um, it, it started out you know, with one particular. We're not going into details, but yeah. one particular battle. But it goes across all conflicts and all engagements. Uh, the last hundred odd years so um mm -hmm. yeah so she did that and then my my youngest daughter uh did a, po a a poem reading at the dawn service right so in australia here dawn service is a is a big thing uh where veterans march and yeah, people come out and pay respects and so on so she did a poetry reading to represent the school and laid a wreath of flowers for a school so that was a proud little moment for dad yeah nice and um a strange thing where I had to try and source a video camera for someone. Right. So, so this guy, this guy rings me up. Is a mate of mine. He's an ex-Hollywood director. Okay. And he rings me up and he says, "Look, mate, I'm pulling my hair out. I want to buy a camera. There's none available anywhere, and no one can give me a straight answer when they'll be available. And all they'll do, I have to place it, pay for it in full, right?" And no one can tell me if and when I'm going to get stock. What? And he goes, he goes, and it's a ten thousand dollar camera. Jeez. So he's going to put, he's going to put ten thousand dollars down, with no information whatsoever of when it would be available. So it's a Sony FX6 camera. Ah, uh, yep, that's the new one. And yep. the new one, yeah. And so uh, this thing apparently is so. So I, so I said, look, leave it be. Let me see what I can do. You know, you know, when you know people, you never yeah. know what can happen. You know, so. Um, I got in touch with some people I know, and they said, mate, yeah, this is from inside Sony. They said, mate, this thing's so worldwide shortage that uh, so Australia, Sony Australia get all their stock from Sony Singapore, not from Sony Japan. Right. So it's like the hub. It's the hub. So Sony Australia has to, when they order the units of this particular unit through Sony Singapore, they have to, A, show the invoice that has been paid in full. Wow. Right, by, by the person. And they have to write down what job, what's the first job the, the, the tool's going to be used for. What? Yeah, you have to. And they will, based on how they rate the answers to that, 
who will get the stock and who won't get the stock. Seriously? How, how amazing is that? I've never heard of it. In my 30-odd, 40 years, I've never heard anything like this. Yeah, it's amazing. And it says, and it says one of the problems they're trying to combat is, uh, A, making people pay in full is because people just go around to five stores and place five deposits. Yeah. And they'll buy the first one, then you get the refund from the other ones. It stuffs up the entire ordering system for everybody. Yeah. And uh, if you're a store that doesn't often sell $10,000 video cameras, you don't want that thing stuck on your shelf. No. Yeah, it, even if it's hot, yeah, it's not a risk you want to take. So, uh, and having to put the 10000 down straight up, it's going to really limit who's going to try and do something like that. And to further reduce the chances is to have to list what job it's for. Yeah, right. So I said, so I'm going, man. So, uh, so they said to me, look, you know, end of July, maybe first shipments that, that aren't already pre pre sold. Wow. So I said, oh, man. So, so I'll get in touch with another person I know. Nah, don't be stupid, Glenn. No hope. In touch with another person, got in touch with another person, got in touch with another. Oh, eight, eight people I know in the, in the industry who could deal with that sort of stuff. Next, then, when the, then um, this guy calls me back and he goes, hey, you I said, mate. This is the deal. Told the whole story. It's impossible to get. And he's going. Well, maybe I'll just fly to Hong Kong and buy one and come back. But I don't. You know, I'm worried about the warranty because I need. I need the camera for a job. You know. Yeah. And I said, well, yeah, it's going to be the problem. He said, because I've got a friend in New York who could buy it at B and H and ship it to me because B and H won't ship this camera overseas. No. And he says, but once again, no warranty. So I said, yeah, leave it with me. I'll okay. I found him one. Right. I got him a bloody. I got him a bloody camera. I mean, this this is like this is like finding the proverbial chicken's tooth. Yeah, right. Yeah, or penguin tooth is sticking with a the theme. <laughs> so I bloody got. And so, so now he owes me a favour, which is bloody brilliant because that's what you want. Yeah, you want people who've got skills to owe you, you favours. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to try and figure out how I can maybe get do, do a filming for me for a day for free or something. You know? Yeah, right. And uh, and yeah, maybe film a little short course or something I can sell. I don't know, but uh, there's going to be some some value there somewhere for me. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, so, so I, I so I had a, that was just kind of fun, just to yeah, you know, being on the hunt like that. You know, it's like whenever you know, it's like when you're looking for a bot you, you, when you're looking at buying a new bike. The hunt is pretty exciting. Yeah, you know, I always love that sort of stuff. I, that's why I love collecting stuff. I always love the hunt more than the actual acquisition. Yeah, yeah. And then this weekend I've got a full day shooting. I'm doing six mini workshops, six yep. one no five, five one and a half hour workshops. Uh, so that's going to time out. So I'm desperately trying to find a bloody model, and that's so, so I've been pulling my hair out with that. And I finally think I've got a model, but we'll see if she even shows up. Right, <laughs> so it's going to be uh, it's going to be a bit of fun, but it's going to, I feel a bit rusty. You know, I haven't, I haven't really gone out and done this in so long. It's like God, you know? yeah. Let's see if it, see if it's like falling off a wheel. You know. <laughs> I don't ride bikes. Yeah. So I just <laughs> see, see if I fall off wheels, see if you get back on it. No, I fell off a horse. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that was it. That was that was my week. It's Fantastic. been eventful and uh, running around doing a bunch of other stuff. With the bloody looking at cars. Still. Yeah. Yeah. Looking and, uh, at uh, cars. What do you mean? Buy, to buy, I'm looking at buying a new car. Oh, okay. Know? But I, but yeah, a it's the worst possible time in the world to buy a new car. Right. Three-year-old cars sell three thousand dollars more than new cars. Yeah, yeah. So not a good time to buy a car, new or used, because you can't. A, you can't buy the new, and anything even like one year old is more expensive than it would be to buy a new one. So, um, so right. that's a bit of a nightmare. And then everything I start getting a little bit interested in, I then stupidly go online and look for complaints. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, the only pe- the people don't make. Yeah, you know, they don't go online to say nice things about stuff. No, they only go online when there's a problem. 
you know. And so every single vehicle I've looked at, it's like, oh, my God, problems after problems after problems. <laughs> ah, so what do you think? So, so it might get the point I just can't buy it. And, and too much choice and too much indecision. I might just not have to – maybe I will get a bicycle. <laughs> be fun to dink the kids in the back of that whilst I go for a ride in the country. <laughs> there you go. You put, the, put the whole family on the back there for a camping trip. Yep. <laughs> the dance. So yes, yeah, so I've been running around doing a bit of that, and yeah, it's been my week. Cool, been my week. Yeah. Since 2005, Shutters Inc. has been a labour of love, but beyond the time required to produce it, there is also a financial commitment. If you find value in the podcast and would like to help keep the servers running, hit up the Patreon link, which is in the show notes. Even a couple of dollars a month will help. Much appreciated. Now back to the podcast. Should we talk photography? So we we're should. about half an hour in. We're half yeah. an hour in, and uh, are we half an hour in? Yeah, well, exactly. How's that? Here's, this is a two strange things happened to me today, Bruce. Uh-huh. I'm reading a book. I don't do those audio books; they're crap. Um, I'm, re- <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm reading a book on my phone uh-huh. at the moment, and because the phone screen's not big, uh-huh. this book is like seventeen hundred pages long. Yep. Um, I don't know how far into this book I am. Yeah, I've been reading for like a week. Well, maybe half or no, a few days anyway. I'm a long way in. I go to pick up the phone. I'm back to page zero. It hasn't bookmarked where I was. Oh. It's gone back to the, it's like, oh my God. I remember I was like halfway down the page. Anyway, so I've got the scroll thing. I'll scroll, 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 Took my finger off right to the page. Oh, you're kidding. The first words I looked at were is exactly where I finished <laughs> off the last sentence I read. It's like, my God, that is just, that is just. Uncanny. Yeah, right. One number one thing of amazing stuff. Number two, I said we've been going about thirty minutes. I looked at my voice recorder just as it went to thirty point oh oh. Wow, Bruce, <laughs> this is this is it. This is this is this technical perfection we were talking about earlier. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's it's all there. My goodness. So anyway, someone mentioned photography somewhere along the line. Apparently, it's a photography podcast. Yeah, not a penguin cooking podcast. What do you, what do you got? Well, here's the thing. Not much. Fortunately, our listeners say, good, because we can leave earlier. Yeah. Black. What's black? Well, there was some there was some bloody article or video on D-Preview, yeah. how I photograph portraits against the blackest, one of the blackest materials on the planet. Oh, okay. With a 99, with a 99 point, for, I, I lost that, so much interest already. You didn't, even you just, didn't send me the link for it. No, because I lost, what's the point? Who cares? Okay. Yeah, you photograph things in front of a black thing. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> Fancy fucking dude to that. But far more importantly, yeah. I went to the comments. Right. And the comments are where we know it's at. Yeah. So let me read some of the comments. Okay. I thought that Alana Miles had the artistic rights to black velvet. <laughs> nice. As black as my OLED TV. <laughs> I can't see it. <laughs> the next one. <laughs> All this time we've been focusing on white balance when we should have been focused on black balance. <laughs> black balance matters. <laughs> great for fa- great for faking moon landings. <laughs> fairly appropriate since Mike Collins died overnight. Yes, I did one. see that. Uh, first thought that came to me, ninjas. <laughs> Second thought... How will I do environmental portraits of ninjas? <laughs> <Black> ma- <laughs> <laughs> the, 
the great thing is you can pass it off as either a single portrait or a group photo and no one will exactly. know. Exactly. Exactly. You can sell one to all of them. <laughs> that's No, it. that's you. Look how good you go. Look how good you go, mate. Can't even see you. You're ninjas. You're ninja stuff for sure. There's a ninja school somewhere here in Melbourne and people crawl around the parks in ninja outfits. <laughs> Oh, it's embarrassing for them. Uh, a little safer than shooting in front of a black hole, I guess. Well, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, fair point. Yeah. These deep preview people, they do have uh, yeah, some some interesting concepts. Um, with with the high intensity lights and a long enough exposure, wide open, you might be able to reveal the blackened silhouette of Satan finally. <laughs> right. <laughs> some some wit replied um that uh, if you use your ND filters coated in holy water, it makes it easier. <laughs> what? <laughs> and, and this guy's disappointed of all because the guy did people and other items in front of this black thing, and he goes, "Where's the black cat in the coal mine demonstration?" <laughs> Very. Uh, <laughs> now here's the other thing: serendipity. Yeah. Over there on Peter Pixel, yeah. they've got some guys developed. The whitest paint ever. Oh, okay. We've got the blackest of blacks. And, Bruce, now we've got the whitest of whites. <laughs> so you know what I did? What would you do? I ignored the article, went straight to the comments. Of course. Guess what was there? What? None. <laughs> Some guy bleating it back. Because apparently the, the white, white paint is the same white as some white piece of paper. Right. That apparently... That apparently is really white. Right. And then some guy said, there's only two comments. One is, oh, yeah, I really like that white paper. <laughs> and then the next guy goes, I don't. When I used it, I got a magenta hue. <laughs> I mean, those Peter Pixel guys, I'm disappointed that Deep Preview didn't put the whitest of whites on theirs and we get some smart comments because those Peter guys, unbelievably poor. So, um, so yeah, that, so that's that black and white. It's been that's. I thought that was pretty amazing. Excellent. I'm, I'm going to go back uh, see if the if the comments keep going on black and uh, see if this is part two for next week. Right, because it's riveting stuff. Oh yeah. No, oh, yeah, I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> now, what else have I got? TT Artisan. Yeah, I've just released two more of their fifty millimeter one point two lenses. Wow. Uh, for Nikon Zs and Leica, but they also make them for Fuji, Olympus, and Sony. Right, and they're a hu- and they're a hundred bucks. A hundred bucks, hundred bucks. So I thought you should buy one for your Sony. So it's a manual focus fifty mil. Yeah, yeah, right. At one point two, let's see, you get that sucker in focus. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Does your camera focus peaking? Yes. So that'd probably work with that, I guess, wouldn't it? As long as you don't move, as long as yeah. you don't budge a mil, or the subject yeah. doesn't budge a millimeter. Yeah. If you're in a wind machine, you know, there's wind, there's wind tunnels. Yeah. They're used for, like, aeronautics and stuff. Yeah. If you're in one of those with the wind turned off, you'd probably be able to – and you're at your camera on a tripod and you're photographing, like, a banana, you could probably get that in focus. <laughs> What's the wind tunnel got to do with it? How do you mean? <laughs> why, why do we need to be in a wind tunnel? Well, if you're in a wind tunnel with the wind turned off, guess what you don't have, Bruce? No wind. There you go. 
Right. You've got to you've got to be in lab conditions to test these things. <laughs> Otherwise, real out there in the real world, I mean, the variables are too high. Right. You know, you can't repeat the experiment easily. I see. Okay. Mind you, bananas probably won't work either because yeah, if you had to do it like a week later, yeah. that banana's not going to be the same condition, is it? No, it's not. And the chance of finding another banana exactly the same. Tennis balls, Bruce. Right. Because <laughs> tennis balls have that little furry stuff. You're about to see how much fur's in focus, how much fur's out of focus. Right. And without wind ruffling it, perfect. <laughs> and I'm led to believe that most tennis balls are about the same size, about the same colour. And more importantly, <laughs> don't go off during the week. <laughs> Always a good thing. Well, you know, you don't, you don't want your, your, your tennis ball with black spots all over it. No. And kind of saggy in the middle. <laughs> no, that would not be good. So there you go. Set, set that up, Bruce. Let's, let's do that experiment. Buy a lens, get a wind tunnel. <laughs> right. Do you have a tripod? Do you that, have a tripod? If you don't, I will put that on my to-do list. <laughs> I could probably, probably organise a tripod for you. And possi- possibly the tennis balls. <laughs> right. Uh, what else? Uh, it, there's an article on uh, Peter, Peter's Pixels, yeah. uh, showing the difference between Sony and Pentax at high ISO. They were doing some tests, Bruce, some tests. Okay. That, which struck my interest straight away because, well, whoever mentions Pentax, for starters. <laughs> there you go. As, and you know what the conclusion was? No. Neither do I because it was so boring after the first sentence, I just put the link in and went away. Right. Normal level O research right there for you. Yeah. I, I saw some bloke had done a photo of New York with his gigapixel camera. Yep. And I haven't looked at it. No, the, it's actually a but company. But it looks pretty good from what I can see. It's it's not just one guy. It's actually a company. They call themselves EarthCam. And basically they're offering this product, I guess you would call it. It's a, a camera with an you know, a, a robotic gimbal all sold as one package and the demo image that they've got on their website is of the uh, basically the cityscape of new york and it's 80 billion pixels you can zoom in uh, from an extraordinary distance away and see an amazing amount of detail and i was looking at some of the buildings across the river I, I assume it's the Hudson, but I don't know my New York geography well enough. Yeah. Uh, but I was looking at the buildings on the other side of the river, and it's really sharp. Like, for something that is that far away... Yeah, yeah. It's really, you know... As all those, all those Google Pixel things are amazing. Yeah. Know? So I was, having a, I was having a bit of a zoom around on that image just before we started recording. I thought it was pretty cool. But, yeah, so they're, they're offering that as a... A, a product for sale with a, a helpline to get you up and running and assist you with your, you know, your capture and yeah. So yeah. I don't know if they're offering it to, you know, companies as a security thing or if it's for photographers who want to. Well, it wouldn't work really well as a security thing, you wouldn't think, because the I amount of time to take the shot. So. Yeah, I'm sure someone here had Gigapans available for a while. Maybe it was KL. I think KL down in uh, in Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane. Yep had right. uh, gigapans for sale. So yeah, if someone robots. wants to go and do if someone wants to go and do eight hundred trigger trigger pixel yep. mega pockles uh, <laughs> those things. Yep. Photos of uh, tennis balls in wind tunnels. Yep. Uh, there you go. Yeah. So I'd like to see that technology put to use in a wind tunnel. That'd be interesting. <laughs> and or or a penguin barbecue. 
Yes. <laughs> now, I did come across one thing this week which uh, which did kind of blow me away a little bit. Okay. But the thing is, it's got na- it's got nothing to do with photography. So, <laughs> surprise, okay. surprise. I don't know why we call ourselves a photography podcast. We should call it uh, the Crap, Crap, Crap Show. Right. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. did you know, Bruce, mm-hmm. in 1969, mm-hmm. three months before Woodstock, yeah. there was a massive massive music festival in Harlem. I did not know that. As an aside, let's stop that for a second. Did you know that Pink Floyd used to be called Megadeths? No. Their first name was Megadeths before they became the Pink Floyd, before they became Pink Floyd. Right. Megadeths. So, because now there's a band called Megadeth. I wonder if they stole it from them because it's kind of a... Anyway, Mm. 1969, Harlem. Now, we're talking, so imagine the, the, the 1969, you've got artists like uh, Nina Simone. Yep. Stevie Wonder, uh, Sly and the Family Stone, B.B. Uh, King, the Staples Singers, all these amazing, amazing artists at you know, nigh on their prime or even just before they started to become, all filmed in a, in a full documentary that has never been seen. Right. Why not? It was filmed... It was put into the storage somewhere because that whole summer of 69, 70, the world was going up in flames, the protests, it it just got put aside and disappeared. Are you serious? I'm deadly serious. It hasn't been seen ever. Right. And Well, I'm going to say ever. It's it's starting to be seen now because it's just won the best category, best documentary category, I should say, at Sundance. Right. So they call it the Blackwood stock, and um, it... Looks unbelievable. So, so what happened with the film? Did it suddenly get discovered recently? Yeah. So, um, a guy. Do, do, do you ever watch? I don't know what show he's on. Um, it might be like um, Steve Colbert or someone like that. Okay. One of those guys. One of those. One of those nighttime shows. Yep. That's got a band. Yep. Well, the drummer in the band is a guy called Questlove. Yes. He discovered it and he produced it and he released it. Wow. I think he's, uh, Questlove, I think, is on Jimmy Kimmel. There you go. Yeah. Kimmel, isn't that, isn't that uh, dog food? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, so yeah, so so he he produced it and, and put it all out and got it out there. And um, so any, any of our music lovers, because I know we've got a few people here who like a bit of good music, uh, keep an eye out for it. I reckon it's going to be pretty, pretty special. So this is the Summer of Soul link that you sent me? The summer of yeah, the summer of soul. It's called. Yeah. So to be able to see something like that, yeah, there's iconic people and never seen before, never seen before performances. And of course, anytime you see stuff like that, just the you know the history you see there, as far as the, the clothing, their hairstyles, yeah. the yeah. the buildings, the cars, just yeah, and to see all that that's never been seen before. I reckon that's pretty cool. So yeah, it's a pretty monumental, pretty monumental discovery and uh, release. So. Nice. So anyway, that's my stuff. That's my Excellent. my my, my uh, actual actual work for the week. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I saw uh, this week as I was getting ready to record, uh, and I know we've spoken about these in the past, is K and F with their magnetic filters. They've basically released this kit where you get a soft pouch that you can you know hang on your belt or hang off your tripod, and it's got three filters in the kit uh so i think there's a a three stop nd and a 10 stop nd and a circular polarizer and they attach magnetically 
to each other and to oh. your um, to the like the the mounting frame that you also get with the kit for about 110 US, which is not bad for three filters and the you know the mounting attachment and your soft bed. What sort of size? What sort of size? Are That's they? a good question. I don't know. Oh well. Um, that's yeah. That's, that's you didn't, that's, that's you didn't tell of, yeah. me that I had to start doing research this week. I thought that was. I, I thought that I was know. next week. <laughs> that's, that's episode a thousand. Yeah, but yeah, so I, yeah, I thought it was a pretty cool, you know, collection of stuff, and for a fairly reasonable price. And the the images that are in the uh, story on DIYphotography.net uh, certainly look like. Oh. Yeah, they're decent quality filters. So, yeah, just thought I'd throw that in. Yeah, we've definitely talked about them before. That's good. They'd be cool to try if they had them in appropriate sizes. And the other thing that I saw was a video, which I didn't go and watch, but I liked the subject of the post, and it was what to do when your client doesn't like the photos you took. And I thought this would be an interesting question to throw to you. Like, what would you do if you had shot something and the client didn't like the images? Well, it depends on why they didn't like them. It depends on what I was... So if if the images I shot, let's say regardless of whatever genre of photography you do, if you're booked for a job and and you have an existing style and that's what they've booked you on and you provide images that... Uh, congruent with that style, let's say a bride books you to do a wedding. She's looked at all your wedding photos. You have a certain style. Yeah. Let's do a friend of mine's a baby photographer, amazing baby photographer. I see one image of hers out of context. I know it's hers. Yep. I can I can see her style a mile away. Let's make it non-personal. I make it somebody else. If someone books her based on all those images that I see that I recognise instantly as her style, and she shoots an image that perfectly fits in that style, and the person doesn't like it, that's not the photographer's fault. No. Now, if they can pick a general look, look, oh, it's beautiful. You shot it lovely. The lights like you normally do. Uh, you know the 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 poses like you normally do. The post processing like you normally do. Love all that stuff. But he's got his finger up his nose. <laughs> Not so keen on that, you know. Fair <laughs> enough, but you know what? The photographer probably wouldn't wouldn't have provided that, you know. Yeah. So if they've if they've and look, and there's probably a million reasons why this can go wrong. But let's say if you shot to the style that is your signature style, and you provided work comparable to all the other stuff that you do, and they don't like it because they don't like oh I don't like the look of that. Well, that's my style, and that's what you booked me on. What? were you expecting yeah you know and then you have to tell then you have to say yeah and first of all i would never answer straight away you'd say well what is it you don't like about it i'd make them hang themselves first if possible yeah by telling me all the things that i like that's my style and i'll say do you mean that thing there that's what i always do and all these photos that you saw when you booked me that thing you don't like well this is yeah then i'd go through i said so what is actually you don't like is it you don't all of a sudden decide you don't want to pay the money <laughs> now you've got the you think that now all of a sudden because the job is done and it starts having to pay the piper if you say you don't like him you might get yourself some oh he'll give it to me half price because i don't like the image yeah there might be other reasons is what i'm saying yeah and that and do not 
ever discredit that's a big part of why that happens a lot. Right. If you're booked as a product photographer and you shoot it in keeping with your style, and the thing is also the brief. The brief is really important. So if, if you are photographing and you, they've, they've given you a full brief of exactly what you and you do exactly what that brief asked for, well, what's your complaint? What is it you don't like? I've fulfilled everything you asked for in the style and look and tone and coloration of what you asked for. What is your problem? And if they come out with a whole bunch of stuff that's not in the brief, you say, well, I'm sorry, that's not my problem. Yeah. This is what you asked me to do. This is what I provided. Happy to reshoot. I'll even give you 10% off my normal the, the rate we've just done. Yeah. But I'm charging you again. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm shooting again, I'm charging you again because I fulfilled what you asked for. Yeah. Yeah. If you couldn't give a detailed enough brief of what it was you actually wanted, how am I supposed to be psychic enough to know that? Yeah. You know? So I'm not sure what this article says. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's, there's all these reasons, you know? The problem lies is when you are a starting photographer. Yeah. And don't have the skills. You don't have the style. You're, you're all you're kind of a bit all over the shop with what you produce quality-wise or look-wise. Yeah. Your post-processing skills aren't down to us to nailing your look, you know. And then also, of course, yeah, yeah. And you can see, do you go on Instagram and you look at a photographer who's got their stuff going on? Yeah. Don't look at mine. You look. This, you can look through page after page of the Instagram, and everything matches. It's it's all. Even how they post them is matched to their style. Yeah, yeah. They have a. This is our look. Must be boring as batshit, Frank. <laughs> if you're shooting the same stuff every single. You go and look at a startup photographer. They got stuff all over the place. Yeah, they've mixed in iPhone shots with backs of blurry photos of people's ears and all sorts of stuff. You know, yeah. That's a person's going to get complaints. You would imagine. Yeah, and so I would always say, you as a photographer, it's your job to not start shooting. Until you fully understand the brief, yeah, and you've and you've reconfirmed that brief back to the person who's asking for it, yeah, yeah, and that person better be the person who makes the decisions, not the person who the person who makes the decisions sent to talk to you. Yes, you know, because that person, yeah, you know, it may not translate the 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 words as accurately or fluently or properly as as the person who actually had the idea of what they wanted. Yeah. So, and I would get them to sign off on it. Yeah, yeah. This is what this is what we've agreed to shoot. Sign here, sign here, bang. Yeah, there's nothing. So, so I mean, there's lots of ways of mitigating that from happening, or reducing the chances of it going wrong. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, yeah, this photographer friend of mine in the US, he just um, went on this big long shoot for uh, this is like actually two days ago, went for a, a shoot up the Pacific Northwest. Uh, with a camper van for a camper van company shooting stuff, uh, they'd given him uh, a camper van to shoot to live in for a couple of weeks. They, he's doing all his promotions and giveaways. On the way back, someone broke in and stole all his camera gear oh, and all his images. No. Uh, ten grand worth of stuff just gone. Oh, and he'd not backed up anything. Well, it was on the road. He had everything backed up on his backups in the van, and his camera it was all gone. Yeah. Oh man. So yeah, stuff can go wrong. Yeah, that's a different kettle of fish, of course. Than yeah. People yeah. complaining about uh, 
about that. So, but yeah. Um, so, what did they come up with? Like I said, it was a video, and I hadn't had a chance to watch the video, but it was just the heading that that caught my eye, and I thought, hey, that's a good question to throw to Glyn. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the heads up. That's good. Because I'm sure, you know, at some point you've encountered, you know something like this oh no answer um, i can't agree i can't agree with anything they're saying here whatever the reason is behind your subject's dissatisfaction the key to resolving the problem is communication be nice don't be a know-it-all <laughs> oh well i'm, I'm out already <laughs> out. <laughs> I'm, I'm shot i'm shot and do things your way without listening to their don't be a, be a know-it-all and do things your way without listening to their reasoning <laughs> Instead, talk to them, listen to what bothers them, and then either educate them. Oh, that, that sounds like being a know-it-all. <laughs> I'm good. Let me sit down. Let me educate you, <laughs> or implement their ideas. Well, no. Yeah. And here's the thing. Okay, so he, he's showing shots of models, right? Right. If you're shooting a model, you're showing them shots as you're shooting to keep them sort of up and and happy, and so they're seeing the work. As they're going. And they could then go, oh, nah, look, I didn't realise I had that thing sticking out of my head. Yeah. I'll take that off. You know, they're, they're, yeah, they're part of the process of the shoot yeah. when you're shooting people, you know. Um, yeah, not necessarily stuff like weddings because, you know, they're busy on the day. You're not going to be running up showing them photos. But if you're doing a model shoot, an editorial shoot for um, uh, a fashion magazine or something, you know, you're going to be working with the model as a collaboration. Yeah. You're going to be showing them stuff and go, oh, no, you're shooting the wrong side here, dude. It's going to look better if we do. Okay, let me try that. Yeah, that's that changes can happen during the shooting unless the brief says it must only ever be shot from the left-hand side, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. He's right about one thing, but the communication should be before the job, not necessarily after. Definitely. After it's, after it's trying to fix problems, communication beforehand is making sure there are no problems. Yeah. Yeah. So. Excellent. All right. All right. Well, that's oh, an, uh, another. Uh, so, so I've, got one more, I've got one more thing. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure what's going to happen yet. But for all our German and European listeners, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to be doing a in-person, fake in-person chat with United Imaging Group, GmbH, the world's largest photo group uh, in Ger- that's based in Germany. Uh, I'm going to do a, 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 a streaming talk on travel photography. Right. So, uh, sometime in the very near future. It's just been sorted out now. So, yeah, I think they've got like... Three and a half thousand stores or something like that. Wow! This group, uh, they make up forty percent of the of um, the market share of Europe of photographic sales. Yeah, right. So it's a pretty big, pretty big organisation. And guess what? The first thing they say to me is, "Oh, it's no cash involved. Then <laughs> we can't afford to pay you. <laughs> <laughs> we can't afford to pay you." The um, <laughs> our, uh, our our photo sales are. Um, Except to be, what's it? Uh, photo sales are below the line. Well, don't worry, that means below the line. Uh, more than half a billion euros <laughs> is, their, is their sales for 2020, is what they're expecting. Right. This is an old article I'm looking at here. And they can't afford to slip a few shekels towards the old, old Uncle Glenn. I tell you. I tell you. Uh, half a billion euros. <laughs> they can't even. Anyway, yeah. maybe maybe they'll send maybe they'll send me a, a bratwurst or something. <laughs> but yes, I'll be doing I'll be doing that some sometimes. So I'll, so I'll keep you all informed, and that's just being developing at the moment. So uh, that'll be a bit of fun. Cool. We're going to green screen it here and there, and make it look like we're sitting in the same room together talking. Ah, clever. Yeah, we should be. Yeah, it probably won't work. Yeah, technology. Yeah, but still. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Best laid plans and stuff. 
Excellent. Right, that's it. Right, My much. goodness. Well, you know what we've just done, don't you? What's that? We've had an episode. Yes. Yeah, and I think after our listeners have listened to this, they may have an episode too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what's new All then, right. mate? All right, mate, will you have a good one? I shall indeed. I'm going to. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll report back next week to how my disastrous day of shooting goes on Saturday. Right. And yep. I'll try and make sure I remember all the all the strange and bizarrely wonderful things that go wrong. Excellent. It's going to be a shit show. All right, mate. Have fun. Okay. Bye, all. If you, uh, hey, hey, before you go, though, Bruce. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing: if we talk for just like fifty-five more seconds, yeah, we'll have gone for one hour. Is that right? I know. Let's not do that. But do you really know at what point we actually started recording? You you hit record an hour ago. No, I hit record the second I said, gee, I'm awesome. Yeah, stand at the <laughs> beginning of the show. <laughs> right. Okay. Now, so, and, and, of course, everything I, we say and do, I, we say and do, is gold. It, it, it's, 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 it's perfect. So there's no need to edit Gold, gold, gold for Australia. No, no, no need to edit, my friend. <laughs> no Perfect. whatsoever. No, none. So, yeah, sec, just, just skip this up. We've got 11, 10 seconds to go because yeah. I want to see, uh, of course, I'm not going to listen, but no. I want to I want our listeners to report back how long this episode actually is that goes out to air. Because <laughs> okay. I've never checked. I've never checked. But if our, our episodes end up like 14 minutes, Bruce, <laughs> I'm We've done the listeners a oh, service. We've gone, six, we've gone six seconds too far. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to Shutters Inc. For questions, comments, and feedback, email theboys at shuttersincpodcast.com. 